Hello, everyone, and welcome to season one of the Spacemakers podcast, celebrating the people behind some of our most beloved artists, directors, business minds, and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Kathy Pierre. On today's episode, we talk to Emmy award-winning choreographer Teddy Florence. His family is American dance royalty, and we talked about his journey, the legacy he continues, and the support that never falters. Let's get to it with Teddy Florence. Um, (laughs) So um, I want to talk first about, um, you come from a legacy of dancers and dance dance educators. So talk to me about the guidance of your mother and your dance family in Boston that you're now going to go back to. Yes. Yes, so my great-grandfather was a dancer. He was actually from Toronto, from Canada originally. How did I not know that? Yeah, I know. I I should have told you a long time ago, right? Um, And he he was actually um, in an orphanage up there, and he learned a little bit of movements um, in in, in there. And then, um, like, gymnastics and a lot of different, like, you know, just like uh, different things during that time. Uh, and then he moved to work in some of the factories in East Hampton, Mass. Um, it was like a printing shop. Um, and he also continued to dance there and kind of did it for, you know, just a, a hobby and for fun and a passion. Um, he had my grandmother. And then when she was like eight years old, they would do these like circus kind of duet acts. And then years later, of course, I joined Cirque du Soleil and that's where we met. Um, But they did all these like really incredible uh, duets where she'd be like flipping off his shoulders and they would have props and they would do things. And like, you know, there's like this little uh, father-daughter duet act. Um, And there's like pictures and I wish there was videos, but um, that was in the 30s. And then they built a following and people were like, hey, you know, start a dance studio. We would love to come take class and learn from you. And he was also a tapper and really heavy into acrobatics um, and a little bit into ballet. My my grandmother really fell in love with ballet. Um, But their house was their studio. And he had like 500 dancers in the 30s and 40s. He started it in 1934. Um, And then, yeah, he like started there and like it just blew up like very quickly because there weren't a lot of dance studios. Wow. So um, he, yeah, he built that and then he ran it for about 25 years. And then my, my grandmother, my Nana, who had my mom and my aunts and my uncles, my mom's one of five in that family. And uh, my aunts, they all continued to dance and really fell in love with it. Uh, they were heavily into gymnastics and my mom was like close to even like going to the Olympics back then and like really, really into it. Um, and then she, I don't know if you remember Frank Hatchett, Yes, Frank Hatchett was legendary. Legendary, yes. Yeah. He's um, one of my favorite uh, teachers as well. But my mom was in his dance company in Springfield, Mass., which was like 10 minutes from our house. So she then moved to New York when he was like, hey, come to New York. You know, you should audition for Broadway shows and be in my company and we'll, we'll be there. So she was in New York for um, quite a few years and then moved back. Um, she fell in love with my dad and uh, they uh, moved back and she started running the studio with my grandmother. And then they switched it to from their house, from my grandmother's house to the studio that we're in now. We've been there for about like close to 40 years in the building. And uh, it's, you know, I, I love going back and just like seeing all the old photos and just brings back just so many cool um moments of inspiration for me too of like you're like an American dance family yeah it's like I love this yeah it's been it's it's you know truly every time I go back I just like get such a creative vibe um 
uh, also from the nature around there, it's just such a beautiful place to grow up. And uh, we spend so much time hiking and um, out in nature. And I feel like a lot of my inspiration comes from the elements of nature and having that time and, and a place to kind of grow up was really special. And then my mom, just seeing her run the studio as a business owner, my dad is also has his own um, kind of tech company. So that's kind of where my younger brother, Johnny, who is now running the CLI video department at CLI, learned a lot of his tech savvy oh, stuff from my dad. And just seeing them run businesses and being entrepreneurs and um, you know dealing with parents and people and you know conversations and just the things that unconsciously I was around at a young age of um, how to handle certain situations politely and respectively and as a business owner um, later on down the line I think really helped me in a lot of ways but as far as creatively my mom still just I call her for advice I'm like this piece isn't making sense how do I draw the character more into this like plot like she always just makes sense out of a story knows how to build stories um, and something that I've always um, admired uh, from her of how to build you know, these epic productions and these opening numbers for recitals. And she makes the costumes by hands out of household items and just like constant inspiration of um, how to create uh, with being resourceful of what you have. Uh, and then when my mom, when my mom and I used to travel a lot to go to dance conventions and everything, she'd always be like, hey, go, go say hi to that person. Like, I, I can see you're inspired by them. Like, go say hello. Just go say something. Like, go say like, I love the way you dance or, you know, just anything, just go introduce yourself. And I, I was always pretty shy early on. Um, and so she was like, get up there, go meet friends, make friends. So um, she always um, really helped me in that way to get out of my own comfort zone and just like go up and talk to people. And I think that's like one of the key things in this industry is like communication and, and being um, okay in the unknown of like, I don't know what I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna go up and say something and just, you know, smile and see somebody and, and um, build that uh, relationship through a hello and through something there. So um, she continues still, to inspire me. Present. Yeah, that's really beautiful. She's still so, I remember you speaking very highly of her when we worked together. And so I was curious where that journey that but I didn't realize the, the legacy that you have that you have with your family, which is incredible. Um, so your dance voice, when did that click for you? And who was who was helped guide you in that in that place? I used to have these um, when I was like four and five. I'd be in my nana's living room, and they would play like Les Mes or like you know these really epic <laughs> songs. Of and, and we'd you know we'd all kind of. I was the firstborn grandchild of my family, so there was just a lot of like audience essentially. Um, and I kind of knew that from an early age and <laughs> enjoyed that. Uh, I remember just being like four or five or even younger maybe because I had diapers and like, I would always wear one sock for my turning foot and barefoot so I could, you know, grasp the, the groundedness on the other foot if I fell. Um, I just remember looking at the floor and I would like see my Nana's floor and just like, know I was about to go into something, know I was about to explore something. And, and through improvisation and through that feeling of like, you know, there's people watching, I'm being seen, but also discovering something myself. And and that feeling um, I always really enjoyed and then kind of just kept building. And then from there started being like, ooh, what if I like put this to like counts or music or like set choreography? Mm -hmm. And then by eight and nine, I started like just gathering any friends or like my cousins and be like, 
you know, I'll play a game of basketball with you or soccer if you like come learn this combo. And, uh, <laughs> the negotiation. You learned the negotiation early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'll play a game if you, you know, come and learn this phrase real quick. So I'd always pull my cousin Nick, um, who's also a dancer, and we just, you know, would make up for endless hours, just eight counts on eight counts and eight counts and who's ever basement or outdoor space or at the studio, there'd always be like one little room in the back available and we'd be like, all right, cool, let's create this eight count. Um, and then through there, like my mom would just kind of hone in, you know, with me on like, mm. you know, what if you put this here, did that there, you know, she really honed in with me and started letting me teach around like 16. Oh, so you started early. Yeah, I started early at the studio with the recreational classes and right. she would sit there and kind of view my classes and she'd have a notebook and she would, um, you know, take notes and give me good advice and say, you know, you said, um, like, and, you know, the, you know, you got that. She would like literally like write those down and tally mark how many times I would say it in class. And she's like, you said, um, 157 times. Uh. And I'd be like, oh damn, like, I guess I did. Yeah, you're right. So she, you know, really kind of wow. at a young age, like yeah. helped me realize what I was doing and how to, you know, best articulate myself in, in those in those classes. And then I would say when I was 17 and I started working with Mia Michaels, that was the big next mentor for me who, you know, how really- did that, How did that evolve? Yeah, it. Uh, so she saw me at New York City Dance Alliance when I was uh, 16 mm-hmm. and she uh, saw me perform my solo and was the judge and came up afterwards and was like, hey, come to this audition. Uh, next week in New York City. Uh, it's a job for an artist in Athens, Greece. And the dancers, there's six dancers that will be joining the tour. Um, it's actually a residency in Athens for six months. And I was just blown away. My friend Al Katafi, uh, who's my best friend, um, and he was like, I'm the assistant and I'm also going to be going on it as well. So I just wanted the job so bad. And I was like, this opportunity with Mia, who's my favorite choreographer, uh, was just a dream. So I showed up to the audition and honestly was just scared out of my mind and they'd already been through like a thousand dancers and it was myself uh ruthie and chowski yeah. k how noel Bahandas, al katafi and mark marvelous um and myself and cindy salgado jason winters and mia were running the audition and we did like crumping and and uh, house and improvisation and contemporary combos and partnering and it lasted like six hours I almost threw up like three times like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's intense it's intense yeah. and uh and at the end of the audition she was like I would like to take you guys out you know for some food and and, and hang out for a sec and at dinner that night she informed us that we all booked the job and uh, I can still feel that feeling because it like changed my entire life right there. It was just like a life changing moment of like, oh my God, how is this real? Oh my God, I'm I'm going to live in Athens? Like what? <laughs> and yeah, I turned 18 over there and it was just like unbelievable experience. She, you know, really gave me an opportunity that just completely shifted my whole mindset on performing, dance, arts, like everything in general. All the dancers a part of that project were, you know, became really close friends and still are, you know, close yeah, friends. Sure. Uh, and then we met on Cirque like six months later, uh, Delirium. Probably six months later? It was, yeah, because I got the call in April when we landed back in the U.S. Like two weeks after I landed, she was like, hey, 
do you want to come and audition for a Cirque show? I want you and Noel to be a part of it. And I called Noel, I was like, bro, did you get the call? You get the call? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, girl, I'll be there. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> so we go to New York and we honestly had thought we had already had the job, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, conversation, we were like, are, we don't really need to audition. We thought we had it. And we get there and like, actually, you know what? You should audition. Like, throw some clothes on. You should audition. So it was kind of a last minute, like, yeah, you know what? You should do it. Uh, and that also was a really intense audition. You know, the circ training and everything they require in the auditions. Yeah. And we had to drop into our splits at one point. And you know Noel, he was like two feet off the ground, like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that was that was a blast. We had so much fun with that. And that show and meeting all of you guys and the artists and yeah. it was just like a combustion of, of artistic um, flavor and yeah, eye-opening, you know, how people prepared for the show and how, you know, just the overall show itself and being a part of something that large and that big scale was, was um, a dream come true. Uh, and then, yeah. yeah and, was, after, was, and after that, um, you continued to work with Mia, correct? Mm -hmm. So what, uh, how, what was the journey in that? We worked together for about four years after that. And I just, um, and I didn't leave her side for about more than two weeks for the whole four years. It was like a oh, two week wow. break. But besides that, we were like, just constantly working on projects. Celine's tour, uh, which was amazing. Um, of course, the bench piece on So You Think with Travis and Heidi. and. That was kind of like a groundbreaking moment to be a part of. Um, I did like three seasons of So You Think, and then you know different gigs and projects and uh, the conventions. Pulse. And you did the convention stuff with her too. You did the convention circuit. Yeah, the convention circuit of uh, the Pulse on tour, yeah. which was amazing. And yeah, being around someone who is truly genius and truly has just like such a vision, and will go to the nth degree to make that vision happen. Uh, showed me so much of, you know, what it takes to be great, you know, what it takes to rise to that next level and continue to kind of outdo yourself. And uh, I'll never forget the morning of the bench piece of the performance. She woke up and she was like, I don't like the piece. We need to change the whole thing. And I was like, it's like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. She calls Jillian Myers, who is the assistant with me. And she's like, let's go to the studio now. We're changing the whole piece. We changed almost the full piece the day of the show. And when the dancers got there, Travis and Heidi, they were like shocked. They were like, what? Like, we're changing the show, like the whole piece. And we did. And it was a big time risk. But when we sat there in the audience that night and they performed it, the second it finished, like we had chills. We were like, that was the right decision. Mm -hmm. You know, that was truly the right decision to make. And she won the Emmy for it. And moments like that, I admired her strength and her resilience of like, when you don't feel it, and when something isn't true to you in your art form, mm -hmm. change it. Mm -hmm. And no matter how last minute it is, go for it 2000% and do whatever you can to do it. And from there on, I kind of was like, wow, like, that was national television that she did that. It wasn't like, you know, a small gig. It was a big deal. And yeah. you know, it was something that she was rem still remembered for that piece. Uh, so that showed me a lot in that way. 
Um, and we, we continue to, to uh, talk and, and we're friends. And Beautiful. you know, I, I love everything that she's brought into my career in life. Yeah, she's she's a huge space maker. You're not the only dancer I know that she's made she's made space for and and nurtured under under her wing and and she has a she has a she's a big mama wings really? like take people in and and it's it's really it's really beautiful to watch. Um, so you're so you think you can dance experiences as an assistant, mm -hmm. um, and then you've worked with some heavy hitters. I mean, Lady Gaga, Kylie, Usher, Florence Machine, like among others. Um, you're a contemporary dancer in spirit and in heart, but you're going into the commercial world. So who helped you make that transition? And then was that a huge shift artistically? Like what, what was the, what was the process in that? Well, I grew up doing more jazz, um, lyrical a little bit. Contemporary wasn't around when we were True. younger. So I was like, I don't remember having like an actual contemporary class. So it was probably like 15. Mm. Uh, so it was mainly like jazz, hip hop, uh, you know, lyrical, uh, modern ballet, tap. Um, so I was, you know, more known for the lyrical contemporary side, but I was heavily trained in those other styles. Uh, I'll never forget when I saw my mom do the wave for the first time in hip hop class. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I was like peeking through the crack of the older kids class. And I was like, <laughs> what is that? That's the coolest thing. Because I'd be in my room for like five more years. Like, <laughs> um, and I had some dancers at the studio that I, at my mom's studio that I really looked up to that were heavily inspired by uh, hip hop and moved to New York and then came back and had training with Rhapsody. And um, so I, I really. Another uh, legend. Another legend, yeah. And I would go and take Rhapsody's class um, in New York City at BDC when I was a kid because it was only like a three hour training to New York. So I love. Oh, only. Yeah, only a three-hour drive. You know, it was like, all right, cool, let's get into the city. Um, so I, I always loved hip-hop, and I always loved the commercial stuff. Um, I'd even given up my hair to be like Brian Friedman when I was like 16, 17. I mean, didn't didn't everybody want to be Brian Friedman? Everybody. Yes. Didn't matter what gender. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I just want to be Brian. He's, he's the best. Um, but I was touring The Pulse, and Gil Doldalau, Janet's choreographer, had seen me. And, you know, we became friends and stuff. And he was like, hey, you know, I have an opportunity for you. Um, I showed Janet Jackson your your freestyles and your movement. Guys, just for a moment, this is pre-social media. This is pre-going viral in any kind of way. Like, just just low-key showing Janet his work because he's that great. <laughs> just, just letting y'all know. Okay, keep going. Keep telling yeah, me. it was a crazy moment. Gil, Gil was like, hey, do you want to you know, Janet would like to meet you. She wants you to come and be um, a soloist on her tour. And essentially you would freestyle and be a character in the show while she is having her changes. And yo, I like threw my phone up in the air. I was on the beach um, <laughs> with my friends. And I just remember like throwing my phone and like running in the water after the call, like, oh my God, what? <laughs> are you kidding me? I was freaking out. Uh, so then I went to, he was like, come to the feedback audition, mm. uh, which was a music video that she was doing. Uh, and so I went to the feedback audition and I got up and I was like, you know what, I'm going to learn this choreo. Like, this is dope choreo. Ed Moore was a choreographer. I loved his movement. Um, and I ended up booking the music video for, mm -hmm. as one of like the ensemble dancers. And that kind of broke the ice to learn like all the 
tour choreography of Rhythm Nation and If, and we were in 25 pieces in the show. Uh, and it's, it's like, you know, that's Janet and, and certain artists like that. It's like, you don't dance more ever in the show. Ever. Ever. It's a little windy right now, so we'll go inside. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got to, I got to do Janet's tour, and that really kind of set up the commercial aspects of my career. Um, and maybe like, you know, introduced me to so many different people, Jillian Myers and Tony Testa and all these, you know, brilliant commercial dancers, Misha Gabriel. Uh, and then from there, you know, kind of segued into Lady Gaga and uh, later on Madonna. Mm -hmm. uh, and Florence. when you worked with uh, Gil, would you say that he, he was your, your thread? between those, those worlds and that into that world? I would say it was more of a, an awakening of possibilities that he introduced me to of like, hey, you can do this. We just booked you for, you know, the tour and the videos. And, you know, I just loved the environment. I loved the people. I loved, you know, coming from, you know, it was very serious in a lot of ways, but I felt yeah, like, like in a lot of ways, commercial dancers like have so much fun and just are a blast to be around and very like outspoken and outgoing and um you know have a lot of fun and i just enjoyed like those moments as well whereas you know and a lot of times i felt like i was very like serious and working with me i like we're very you know heavy artists um very deep very you know we like to go into those different realms of darkness and lightness and like you know we really go in not that we didn't have fun but it was just a different perspective um which it was so nice to get both perspectives on the dance industry in, in general and uh yeah just it brought a lot of fun things i you know i technically a dance for usher um but uh this goes for all you know future dancers that you get to put on your resume as well but i was on stage for like 13 and a half seconds and i did like a headstand and was part of like a group of 40 people in the american music awards and i did a headstand did this a few times and then exited stage <laughs> and uh technically i danced for usher though it was pretty funny <laughs> And everyone thought like my whole town was watching and my friend Devin Jameson, who is one of like the lead dancers in the actual like real choreography, I, we kind of look alike. So they were like, yo, you were killing that. You were killing that. I was like, yeah, 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 that, yeah. I was really the headstand guy that you can't even see because there's like fireworks going off. But I was there. I was definitely there. Um, so yeah, fun stuff like that, too, where it's, yeah. you know, well, and I think those moments too humble you, mm -hmm. you know, because we totally. go from such highs to that midway where you're like, what's happening? What's happening? And then real lows. And so it, those moments really humble you like, okay, I'm just one of many talented, creative, spectacular people out there. And this is exactly. the opportunity that I was given and, and okay, you know, and you, you take it and you, you press on and, and learn. Yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great story. So talk to me about your Shaping Sound journey, the doc series, that, the process, you know, being on a creative team, as we all know, it's not easy, especially with heavy hitters like Travis, um, who are visionary choreographers and have, you know, it's, that's a, that's a really beautiful and intense environment, I'm sure. So talk to me about that. Yeah. So we, Travis had got hired to do Dancing with the Stars. Um, like when Macy's was, was um, doing like Macy's Stars of Dance where they'd pay essentially for a performance. And Travis got asked to do a performance and he brought in Tyler Peck and his brother Danny Tidwell at the time. 
and we had nothing but strings, those like hip hop uh, violin artists that were just unbelievable. And we had been listening to their music for a little bit and we were just like so inspired about it. And Travis did such an incredible job like pulling everybody in and Misha, myself, Nick Laz, um, Travis, of course, Jamie Goodwin, Taja. Um, there was a bunch of us on that project and I'll never forget going back and watching it that night and the feeling that we had of the camaraderie and just the energy and just like, wow, we just, just did that. Like that was our favorite performance we'd ever done. Mm -hmm. um, so the energy was there, the passion was there and the camaraderie and the friendship was just naturally um, there. And we were like, wow, like we, we had a week or two to do it and then like it's over, like we should do this more often, we should do something. Um, and that's kind of when we came up, like, let's create a company, you know, let's, let's do this. Um, and then cut to generation four, my family's workshop, which ended up being a very last minute thing 12 years ago. Uh, we, you know, my, my parents were like, you know, let's do like a bigger extended workshop from what we normally do at her local studio. And we ended up, uh, last minute, like midway through the week, it was only, you know, like a week long we were like, let's do a show. Like, let's try this out, let's make a show. And we had, at the time, 75 dancers in the program. And we created a full like 45 minutes to an hour long show. We stayed up through the whole night, every night, and like didn't sleep the whole week and created a show. And uh, it, it was just like such a monumental moment for us of like, again, like we just did that. Oh my God, we came together, we ended the music, we figured it out. We wanted to pull each other's hair out, but like, we got there and we like ended up doing the performance. Um, so then about like, it was actually the, the end of that show on Sunday, Travis got a call from a producer, mm -hmm. uh, Jerry Silverheart in LA here, um, famous producer. And he was like, I wanna do a reality show on you, Trav. And Trav was like, I'll do it, but I wanna do it with my friends about us starting our dance company. So Trav brought us to the meeting. Good for him. Good for him for advocating yeah. for himself in that way. Excellent. It was cool. It was really, um, we were honored to be a part of it. Travis had already blown up as a choreographer in the industry, but definitely um, was reaching new heights at that point in 2011, 2012. And we were all just about to move in together in Glendale in a house. So we we're all about to, you know, go on a journey together. Um, mm -hmm. And then it was about, I think like a year later, we started filming the show and started doing, you know, creating, creating an actual pieces and in, in, in a show and then also the reality show at the same time. Um, and, and during, you know, like any process, there's the unknown of like, what are we about to get ourselves into? Like, you know, they say one thing in the beginning, like, oh yeah, we're gonna air your whole show the last episode, you know, it's gonna be amazing, blah, 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 it's classic, you know, TV producers talking like this and you're like, yeah, like that sounds great. Let's do it. And you're like, by the end of the process, we were like, this was nothing we like we'd expected. Oh my God. I actually have never seen the last episode because I was honestly so upset with how it turned out, to be honest. Um, okay. I did not like how it turned, you know, the drama into the whole- Yeah, they turned it thing. into- to entertain reality entertainment so yeah it had to have yeah 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 so i never even saw the last episode because i heard Did you even they, show your show in the last episode do you know it was a montage of like two and a half three minutes of it and it was like, like to like, like music, music that 
we would never dance to. It was like, <laughs> like, yeah, we would never even dance to that. You know, um, I do have to say, you know, there were a lot of really special people. Uh, some of those producers on the project um, that were with us and actually working with us, I still respect them today. And like, they were like aunts to us and like just so sweet. Who were and, they? Do you remember um, their names? Yes, Cat uh, Rodriguez and. You know, it's been so long. I, I forget the director's name. She was amazing as well. Loved working with her. Um, you know, and and they have things to answer to as well. So it's always someone from a higher up level saying, you know, we can't use that cut, or you know, we're not gonna. I, I don't know what actually happens, but you know, um, you know, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of there's a lot of decision makers in those process in that process, yeah. and so it's not just one per. Even though it may be one person's vision, there's a lot of people. Have, have their voices heard and having to compromise and make decisions in those processes. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It, it was it was tough um, in a lot of ways, but it, you know, in 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 the ends, it booked us the the big deal um, with Gil, who owns Break the Floor. Mm. He ended up investing in the company because we were looking for an investor essentially, and he saw it and and really you know we had talked to him with our our manager at the time and uh he ended up coming in and investing in the company which is what got us our tour and you know the tours were just unbelievable i'll never forget the day when we were all sitting there um, after we'd rehearsed for a few months the tour buses came up and pulled up into the parking lot and we were like oh my god this is real this <laughs> is real we have our own tour bus like what and the trucks and everything and, and you know getting on the tour bus you know is like one of the coolest feelings and such a a tight intimate group that you become because of you know you're literally sleeping six inches above or below somebody and someone's snoring or you know there's you know so yeah, many it's like instant family yeah instant family uh so many good times and and the shows were really um i, I thought just a blast to perform our, our first show that we had done it was I say more on the entertainment side and really high energy, really fun, a lot of jazz and like sing, 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 and uh, more more of the the showmanship and I think the performance quality. And then the second show we did was also written by Son Lux, who is one of our favorite artists, and him and Travis worked together for years, and he wrote original music for it and also some of his like classics. So uh, and Travis did and did an amazing job like you know, building characters and everyone had an individual name and character and driven line. And so it was much more in depth. You know, we had aerial stuff that Trav was flying around from and like just a, a whole different level of production mm -hmm. uh, that we explored. And, you know, there's never enough rehearsal time mm -hmm. as a performer. You know, yeah, sometimes there is actually too much. I've, I've been in a few processes where like, okay, this is a lot, let's just get on stage. <laughs> this was like, you know, we had 20 rehearsals essentially to put on a whole show. You know, you know, with, with and everything. So we went all out and it was, you know, stressful, stressful and fun and terrifying all at the same time. And what did you learn the most in your shaping sound experience? Like what's what's the big takeaway in that experience? Biggest takeaway. For, For me, me personally, personally. Uh, I think like learning to stay calmer. Like I feel like when I don't know what I have to do or like because Trav you know Travel was more so the director and choreographer of the show when it would get down to the wire and I felt like I couldn't do something as an individual choreographer I felt really scared and kind of just like 
what is about to happen? You know, how can we move faster? And, and um, his process is, you know, everyone's process is different. And I felt like I, uh, I think my anxiety got to me a little bit in that process. And I overreacted in some situations and, you know, apologize even recently, like, damn, I was kind of a jerk in some of that. Like that was, I was a little bit rough in that process. Uh, yeah. You know, I was, I, and also I was just a new dad. I had had Valentina like six months before. So there was a lot going on for me personally in the project. Mm -hmm. um, but once we got to stage, all that fire and all that, you know, tension, it turned into like diamonds. diamonds. I felt like. And we just performed from another whole level of, of, of energy and of pure fire. <laughs> like we really um, performed from fire. And uh, I just respected so many of the dancers on that project. and. Hopefully, uh, we'll we'll see more of shaping sound in the next few years. I hope so because it's it. I I unfortunately have never seen you guys live, and that's a huge regret for me, just as a person who loves dance um, in in that way and have a profound love for you and people in that project and so and people that I admire. So yeah, it's I hope I hope that that you guys get through the pandemic and like come out on the other side of this and then be able to create again because it's a it's a really special group of, of individuals and creatives and I um, those we kind of have to like nurture and keep intact as best we can and I love the fact that that Gail came out there and, and supported you guys because at the end of the day we're nothing without backers and finance yep. right like we can't do our art without it um, and so it's beautiful to hear uh, that another dancer and, and visionary and choreographer was tapped in enough to say no you know what I'm not this is this is too special to for it not to like get to some place and then you know and I I believe in what you guys are doing so it's it's really really great um so yeah 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 absolutely so tell me about um choreographing for Dancing with the Stars what was that experience who opened that door for you um, you know I had choreographed a few different like we had done Shaping Sound and I had performed a few times there um, and then I got, you know, one of my favorite singers, Maxwell, who I just have always danced to his music, of course, <laughs> women's work, you know, the classic. Yeah. Uh, and I got a call uh, maybe a week or two before the performance, and I got to dance with Tyne Steckline, who okay. is, you know, one of the most epic commercial dancers. And we actually, it was funny, we were roommates with like, like five, five other people when I first moved to LA. Like, like, oh, it's full circle. Seven full circle moment. I was like, Tyne, you want to dance with me? And she's like, yeah, I would love to. Um, so we, uh, you know, we got to work on that and it was such a cool experience. And then uh, Kenny Wormald and Julian Huff were doing Footloose movie and they had asked me to choreograph on Dancing with the Stars for that as well. Um, and then there was one how other- did you, How did you connect with them? With Kenny? Mm -hmm. So I grew up in Massachusetts uh, with, and Kenny was from Boston, from the Gold School. Oh. So we grew up since I was probably nine or 10, I knew Kenny. And I was always a pretty shy kid and him and Nick Bagger were opposite. And they'd always be like, yo, come here, bug, come here. And they'd be like rapping and, you know, playing like all these like musical games with me and try to get me out of my shell. Uh, and they were always like huge inspirations to me. And especially once they came out to LA, I would just constantly ask them questions and call them or ask them like, How, you know, how's it going out there? What's it like, you know? should I move to LA or New York? What do you think I should do? And they were like, just stay in ballet, stay focused. Like, don't move too soon. Like, you know, stay in mass for a little bit. And then when the time's right, you know, we'll be there. And, uh, you know, the first person to pick me up in LA was, was Kenny. I'll never forget, like, you know, getting into big LA, flying it at night and being like so overwhelmed. 
and you know picked me up at the airport with with Nick Baga and just kind of showing me the ropes and you know introduced me to LA um, which was really cool uh, and then Julianne did I meet Julianne there? I think I met Julianne on that project actually with, when we did Dancing with the Stars and she's such a sweetheart and easy to work with and they just already had such a good friendship and um, both incredible dancers of course so it was honestly like a very easy process in a lot of sense I mm -hmm. my, my mom, mom was actually there to help me with the process and oh my gosh really yeah yeah I was like mom can you come like, this is early on in my choreography career like can you come can you fly out and then Kenny's teacher Rennie who is also one of my inspirations he choreographed like my solo that Mia ended up seeing uh, in New York City Dance Science. All and connects, it all connects. I flew him out as well. I was like, yo, you gotta fly out, come stay with me. He's yeah, one of my close friends anyways, and let's surprise Kenny. So uh, we surprised Kenny at the performance, Rennie came he's his, you know, main teacher growing up. Yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, just a, a great connection with Dancing with the Stars, and I loved working with them there, and, you know, all such you know, professional, awesome people. So. I, I, yeah, I ended up doing with Shaping Sound in the performance I done like eight or nine different uh, pieces that I got to do on the show. Amazing. My mother's a huge fan, so she probably saw all of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. a reminder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so I have a, I guess I have a, have you ever felt the imposter syndrome that a lot of us in the field feel, especially when we're transitioning from one thing to another, or have you always been really centered in, 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 in vision and in, and in goal. Say that, sorry, one more time. So have you ever had the imposter syndrome that a lot of us sometimes feel in those bigger situations where all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm working with Kelly Clarkson and I don't know what the hell I'm doing or you're just really centered and you're like, you're like I, I got this. You know, I respect everybody I work with so much that, and I, I research them so deeply um, that I naturally, I've realized I used to, it used to be nerves. I, I, I used to think it was nerves and it was really just excitement. And that's what I've learned now, like from everything I do, even I'm going to a studio, you know, and I, I've seen a work that other choreographers, choreographers have done. I'm 33 years old now. And I still go into a studio with that excitement and that like, <gasps> am I going to, am I going to rise to the occasion? You know, and I, and I realized that you know, after a long time of, you know, thinking that it was nerves before, it was just truly excitement and, and you know, just a feeling of like, wow, I get this opportunity. Um, but I always have kind of in inside that nervous or that tension or that feeling of like, can I do it? I always trust knowing that I'm going to put the work in and hard work and dedication, like, you know, is what you know, makes you feel confident, especially by day two, day three, you're like, oh, I got this, like, we're going to crush it. And I know that I'll, you know, either just stay up really late, wake up really early, prepare before, meditate, do a yoga class, do whatever I need to do in order to perform at, you know, the level that I think is necessary for that, that individual project. Uh, and I you know something that I look up to, like Crystal Pite. Yeah. You know, Everybody does. Uh, I think, you know, her. Um, you know, I, I, I was listening to an interview and she stated that. She said, you know, I'm, I have a lot of nerves or feelings of anxiety sometimes going into a project, whether it be NFT or Parasop or massive pieces that she's creating. She goes, what makes me feel comfortable is, is my work ethic and my dedication to the craft and knowing that I'm going to follow through with the hard work. And once I just, you know, start throwing paint 
you know, I'm going to organize the paint once it's on the paper and, and, and kind of go from there as well. So that's something that I, I like to rely on is like the hard work and the dedication that, you know, for my parents and him, you know, just in your DNA. It's in the DNA, you know, it's in the DNA. So uh, that's what makes me feel comfortable. Very cool. Um, that's actually also very good advice for, for other choreographers aspiring and, and, and in the business currently. Um, so let's talk owning your, your own business and, and, and conventions and, and how, I mean, you've obviously been around it your entire career, but what was that like to kind of step in and say, I'm going to own, I'm going to own my own thing? Um, so, so I'll never forget, as far as like getting into the, because I feel like the first, first step for me was getting on jump convention. It was, it was in 2009, and I had asked Bill for a few years, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Put me in, coach. Put me in. And I had, you know, gone, and I had known Gail, and he had known me, and, uh, and whatnot, and I, you know, sent in videos, and this was before social media, of course, and uh, I just really wanted a job, and he kept being like, you know, I don't think you're you know, ready fully, or just I wasn't getting the response I wanted. And then in 2009, I, I got, got a call. He said, "Hey, you know, I want you to join Jump," and that was really a big, big turning point for me as far as you know, stepping into that realm and being on that side. You're just introduced to so many dance studios and dancers, around 30,000 dancers a year, and it's growing now and. It was just a, a huge turning point of, yeah. you know, building those relationships on uh, so many levels around the country, around, you know, U.S., Mexico, and in, uh, Canada, and then starting to build my choreography through going to studios and some group pieces and solos, and, you know, between 200 to three or 400 pieces a year, I, I, I do. Oh, is it that many? Yeah, it's, yes. it's Wow. I, I do, I do I quite, quite a few pieces throughout the season. Uh, you know, it's grown over time. I started off maybe 30, 30 to 50, 50. and then over time got more to the 250 to 300 range. And uh, that really has just helped me so much in communication skills, working with kids, um, knowing how to let go of my ego and let go of what I want my voice to be, but really looking at the dancers and saying, what do they need? what's going to make them look strongest and best and most comfortable and bring their voices out as artists and young dancers as well. Um, so that was a lot of growth in the first like three to five years of that. Um, and then throughout that process um, in 2010 or 11, we started Generation 4. And I have so many close people around me, especially my, my family running it as well, that I trust. I feel comfortable delegating things to. And I think that's a big part of owning a business is not trying to do everything yourself. And that was, you know, life. Because I, I see people who try to do everything themselves and get completely burned out because they don't trust other people to do the job they want to do. So that's been a huge thing, I think, in my relationship is finding those people, trusting those people, and letting them do drive miles and miles an hour their direction and continue to do what I do have my communal energy you know at dance studios and with the kids and not completely losing sight of what I've always been a part of uh, and then once we started shaping sounds one of my good friends Ron Arpino, who also grew up in the convention competition circuit uh, 
since we were young kids, he became he, our, our manager. manager. Uh, and then from there, there he, he became, became a lawyer. lawyer and then and he, he called him and was like, hey, I've got this idea, um, you know, you know to create CLI Studios. You know, let's let's talk about it. Yeah. And we started that seven years ago. Uh, he was getting, you know, past his bar. And, you know, I was- You know, st start a company while you're doing the bar. Cause you know. 24 hours a day, this guy, and he showed me immediately just, his work ethic was even something I hadn't even seen yet. Cause you know, he was nonstop. Like, he'd be talking for three in the morning, like, all right, get this video, he'd be on the phone with this person, then going into work all day. We just hustled like every day, all day. Uh, I taught the first 300 classes, interacted for free. You know, just went in and experimented and just tried out this tech company. Uh, and then from there, the university companies and kind of set up. Yeah, CLS is, I mean, you're the you're the gold standard, especially now when everybody's trying to transition in into that world. So you guys were way ahead of your time, um, which is really impressive. Thank you. Yeah, super impressive. So rapid fire questions for you. Who's your ultimate space maker? I have a guess, but like, who's the person that's been there consistently throughout? Throughout. Definitely. Yeah, so they're figured. Yeah, yeah. I love that one. Whereas, Whereas, if there was one other person, person. Hmm. so, so hard. Hard. Yeah, yeah, so many. You know, my friend, Michael. Who? You're breaking um, a little bit. Michael Keith. Okay. He's, He's been, been one of my close friends since I was a young kid. kid. And I call him all the time for advice, whether it be buying a home or, you know, decision making or just really personal stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. He's been one of my best friends. He's your he's one of your guys. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, what is your best bad decision? A decision that you're like, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then it turned out to be the best thing you've ever done. Hmm. Sure. <laughs> yeah, doesn't have to be dance related, not at all. Just in general, just life. Uh, my wife and I, this is before her, her side of the family knew that we were about to get married, but we got married in Las Vegas. And it was after six months, we met like six months before that, and we went to Vegas and we got married. And I told her, I said, you should call your family. And she said, you know, I'll, I'll call them. I'll call them. And the weeks went by and she didn't call them yet. And then I'm flying to Mexico City where she's from. And she's like, I just told my dad. And this is going to be a little bit rough. Dinner is going to be a little bit intense tonight. And I sat down at the had the conversation with her dad. And I thought he was going to strangle me for an hour. And then he popped a bottle of champagne and we celebrated. And it's been seven years. And two kids later and, yeah, and seven years later. later. Good, good choice. Yeah. Um, did you ever have a fork in the road where you were like, it's either I continue this or I go and be a doctor? Significant fork. Mm. I don't think so. No. Nice. I, I always, yeah, yeah, I always kind of, even when I didn't like book a job or like a job fell through. Mm -hmm. I felt like there was always kind of like a turning point of like, okay, okay this, this, this is this an opportunity to always kind of like jump full, full force to that. Okay. Um, is there a, let me say this, um, a moment where you were taught about betrayal in the industry? 
quite a few, but I don't <laughs> want to throw people under the bus. No, you don't have to know names, but it's, yeah. it's what did it, what did that teach you? What did the betrayal teach you? What did you get? What did, uh, what did you learn out of it? This, this is, is really, really hard to say, um, but, but you have to know who your true friends are. You really do. And like, like even sometimes when you think they're your true friends, they might, yeah, they talk and like what you, what you verbally say about other people sometimes should be left unsaid. You know, you if know, you want to think something, something fine, but sometimes, sometimes if you don't, you don't have anything nice to say, say just, just don't say it. Yeah. Even, Even though you think sometimes you're friends, friends. Just don't say it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good piece of advice because I think, I mean, I certainly had my moments too and you, they're shocking and they're like devastating sometimes, you know, that friendship ending sometimes, uh, mentorship ending sometimes. And they, they do teach you a lot about yourself in those moments because it takes, it takes two, right. In those, in those moments. Um, even if you think you're doing all the right things, um, it's everybody's perception. And so I often feel that people need to be aware that it's there mm -hmm. and that it can happen. <laughs> And that hopefully you have a system around you and a village around you to help you through that that betrayal because it's it's it can get real dark. Yeah. Um, so that's. I think you having outside friends that have is really important. People who don't, don't talk, talk to industry people, people. Uh, with a family, family hometown, hometown or whatever, because you can get a different perspective at times. Because for so many of us. Once we're heavily in the industry, usually surrounded by industry, and sometimes that could just be overwhelming when your only thought process and conversation. That's really good advice. And my last question, Teddy, because I can talk to you forever, is who or what are you making space for now? My wife and I are going on a date for the first time tonight. Um, uh, actually, actually a few hours, and we haven't been on a date in a long time. And I just, I just bought, bought it earlier today. So really excited. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Teddy, it's been a pleasure. One, just to see your face. Two, to hear more about your story. You know, we spend so uh, these intimate times together as as dancers and as and then we don't see each other for years and years. And you know, you're someone that I admire. Your journey is incredible. So thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you. I love you so much. I love you too. <laughs> and good luck with your move. And uh, now you'll be on the East Coast, so maybe I can pop down. Boston's not that far. Please, please. I would love that. See you Enjoy soon. your date night. Peace. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to Spacemakers. And thank you to my guest, Teddy Formans. And remember, there is no such thing as self-made. No matter the story, there is always that one integral character who leverage their success, luck, confidence, positivity to create opportunities for folks coming up in their shadow. We call these special souls the Space Makers. I'm your host, Kathy Pierre. This podcast was produced by Shannon McDees. <laughs>